and we want to thank you for your faithful partnership over the years. And I'm saying that we have, you have been supporting our family since 1992. That, that's a lot of years, that 27 years. And uh, we are getting ready to celebrate the 25th year anniversary of the ministry in Haiti. That's like a quarter of a century uh, since God has brought us, has taken us to Haiti, and we have been working, planting four churches, an orphanage, and a school, and different other ministry. The Lord is using us in northern Haiti to do. And this morning, it's a pleasure for me to be with you and share the word of God with you. If you would open your Bible to the book of Romans chapter 2, the book of Romans chapter 12, I'm sorry, not chapter 2, but chapter 12. In Romans chapter 12, there is something about this passage, Romans chapter 12. When you look at the first verse, I think the, verse, the first verse is a very easy verse for all Christians. Because it says in verse 1, he said to present your body a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God. And I believe that if I were to make an appeal to you this morning, asking you uh, to present your body as a living sacrifice, to present your body in holiness, to God, and I think that everybody would agree with me, and I think that everybody here in this whole building is going to say, oh, this is correct. Uh, we want to present our body a living sacrifice to God. We want to live a life of holiness to God. So verse 1 is not the big problem. I think the big problem is verse 2. The big problem is verse 2. When it says that uh, do not be conformed to this world. Do not be conformed to this world, uh, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And that's when we start having argument. Because we will not have argument about verse 1. Because verse 1 is so clear, so simple, that we all believe that we should live a holy life. We all believe that God wants us to live certain ways. We all believe that. But when we come to verse 2, and it says that uh, do not be conformed to this world. When you're thinking about, you may be thinking, what is he saying, do not, do not be conformed to this world? I want to put it in different ways. Do not agree with the world. Do not represent what the world represents. When we are leading people to Christ in Haiti, many times we have people who come to trust Christ and accept Jesus as their Savior. In fact, like a, it is a great thing, like a, we do baptism twice a year. In December, the last day of the year, December 31st, and in the 
second, second Sunday of May, we do baptism, and each time we normally baptize 40, 50 people, and one time we end up baptizing over 100 people. And it's exciting. But one thing is that uh, many times when somebody accepts Christ, they have to come from that voodoo culture. They have to come from that voodoo culture. And when you're looking at voodoo, our culture in Haiti, there are different things that people do. Like when they are born, a lot of the time for protection, the family take them and have them baptized into voodoo and baptized to the devil. And sometimes they take their children and have them participate in voodoo ceremony. Sometimes the children inherit some spirit, the spirit that kind of uh, works within the families, and sometimes that spirit come and dwell them. So when they accept Christ, there is a big change that needs to be made. Because when they accept Christ, now I have the Holy Spirit. The Bible says when I trust Christ, the Holy Spirit come and dwell within me. Therefore, all that voodoo stuff that needs to happen, it has to change. And then a lot of the times we go to the house of people who trust Christ and they give us stuff they used to use in their voodoo ceremony and a lot of the time I put gasoline on them and put them on fire and destroy them. And the reason why I share that with you is that when the person takes all the voodoo stuff and burn them, it's like that song you used to sing when you were a child in vacation Bible school that used to say, no turning back, no turning back. That's when you are saying, is that say, uh, I am following Christ. I came from the world and no turning back. That's what they are saying. They are saying, everybody, you see I'm burning all these things I used to use for worship. No turning back. And when you look at the second Corinthians 4 verse 4, it says that the God of this world has blinded the mind of unbelievers. Therefore, since their eyes have been blinded, now that they have accepted Christ as their Savior, they're saying, no turning back. And when we have in baptism, one of the things that we do is that everybody who is getting baptized have to share their public testimony. They stand in front of the church to share exactly here is how my life used to be. Here is how I trust Christ as my Savior. Here is what happened that made me accept Christ as my Savior. And right now, here is the commitment that I have made. I have made the commitment to follow Jesus all my life. And no turning back. But you know what happened. When we are thinking about no turning back, it seems like there is a way Satan wants to fool us. How? 
you certainly want you to believe that you will know that there is a, a world where Jesus is God. You know, there is, a, there is a world where Christ reigns. And there is another world where the devil is doing his thing and Jesus is doing his thing to the church and he's doing his thing to the world. He wants you to believe that there is a neutral ground. And what the Bible is telling us here, as far as uh, do not be conformed to this world, the Bible is telling you there is no neutral ground. You cannot be a Christian one foot in and one foot out. So that means you can't be halfway in. Therefore, being a Christian, you have to be all in or else. You know, like a, we believe that a, there is the church where Christ reigns, Christ is God, Christ rules the church. And there is this world system where Lucifer is the king of this world system. And you cannot be halfway into Christ's kingdom and halfway into Lucifer's kingdom. I like uh, Joshua who said that, uh, hey, today you're going to choose who you want to serve. You're going to make a decision. Who do you want to serve? My house and I, we will serve the Lord. Because there is no way he can serve Jesus and serve somebody else at the same time. Either you are a slave of Christ or you are a slave of somebody else. Either you are under the kingdom of Christ or you are under the kingdom of somebody else. There is no neutral ground. To understand this passage, this verse, do not be conformed to this world. You have to catch the word world and the world being conformed, the, the word being conformed. Here, I believe the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 12 is catching on 1 John 2 verse 15 to 17. In 1 John 2 verse 15 to 17, the Apostle John is telling us, do not love the world, neither the things that are in the world. Do not have any passion for the world. Do not get trapped by the world. If anyone loves the world, if anyone has passion for the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Do not love the world, neither the things that are in the world. And, and now, how, when, when he's saying, what is the world? What is the world? Let me tell you what the world is. How you define the world. How do you know whether you are loving the world? How do you know whether you are having a passion for the world? You know, the world is a system 
that leaves God out. That's what uh, Charles Riley Charles said. You remember the old Riley Study Bible? And Dr. Riley said that the world is a system that leaves God's out. The system, it leaves God out. Take God out of it. And you know, like a, the thing is like, say, it's easy to be in the world because if you take God out of your life, if you take God out of your life, then this life is in the world. You know, you take God out of your life, then that's what we are talking about the world. The thing is like, say, if you take God out of your family, then you have a family without, without God. And that's when you start having chaos. If you take God out of your relationships, then you have relationships that turn into chaos. And I went further and said that they take God out of your church and you have the temple of Satan. You know, when we were growing up, my parents did many things for me, but one of the best things they did for us was that they, every morning, early, even our school started at 7 o'clock, at 6, at 6 o'clock everybody has to wake up. And then my mom and dad he led us into prayer. And, and then some of the uh, you know, the old gospel hymns, uh, we would sing one of them, and then everybody would pray, and then before we go and start the day, because my dad always said, you cannot start the day without uh, having God in control of your life. And you take God out of your day, then the world take over. And you know, like a, when God is out of our life, we become enslaved to our own lust. We become enslaved to our own selfishness. We become uh, enslaved to our own cravings when God is out of our life. When God is out of our life, the glory of God is no longer our goal. And we sometimes self-destruct. That's what it means to let the world be in control. So the Apostle Paul is saying that our passion as believers should not be directed to the system headed by Satan. It's our passion, our love, our devotion should be directed toward the Lord. And, and you're asking, like, say, why our passion should not be directed toward the world, the, the world? You know, when you're looking at the world, the world is only temporary. The world is only temporary. You know, when you are thinking like everything we fight for, Everything we fight for, everything we struggle for, 
do you know all of it will go away? You know, like a, you fight to build a beautiful home. You build, and when you look at that home, you're so proud of it because it's so pretty. And sometimes, when they when they burn you, they're pretty. And then, a few years later, you start having leaks. A few years later, it starts not looking like the way it used to look. A few years later, that beautiful home you were proud of, sometimes you have to tear it down because it's not worth anything anymore. And when you look at that, you think like, hey, why do I have to fight? I mean, why is it the thing that is more important to me when, you know, the world is not the thing that is more important to me because the world is a system that left God out and not just it le- it, that left God out, but God, I was enslaved to the world and God has delivered me from the world. I was enslaved to that already. God has delivered me. You know, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse, verse 2, it said that uh, we used to follow the, the ways of the world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air. The spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. But God rescued us. In, Tas- in Titus chapter 3, the Bible says, God rescued us. And then, in, Gal- in Galatians 1 verse 4, the Bible says, He gave himself for our sin to rescue us from the present evil age. So after God rescued me from the present evil age, I don't want to be trapped by this, prevent, by, by, by this, by this evil age. Something that God rescued me from, I don't want to be caught by it again. I'm thinking like there are two different ages. There, there is this present age of sinful darkness. We have been rescued from that. We have eternal life. We have the ability to live a life of sanctification. Then there is the age to come. That's what we, that's what we want to fight for. The age to come. When Jesus will come in Revelation 11. Jesus will come to reign. That's what our focus is. Our focus is on the church. Our focus is on God's people. Our focus is eternal. Not on temporary things. When I love the world, I focus my passion to what is temporary. When I love God, I focus my passion to what is eternal. You know, like, I love to fly at night. Mostly when I go to the big cities. You know, I think it's so beautiful when you go to the big cities, flying at night, and when the plane is landing, you're seeing all the beautiful lights, the beautiful buildings lighting up. And one thing I was thinking is that all those buildings I'm looking at, when you put how much money they cost, I think just in one big city, we're not even talking about billions, we're talking about trillions or 
even more money. With, with, you know, but I just love to fly at night and to look at all that beautiful, all those beautiful things. And then when I start thinking about it, everything that I'm looking at, I take pleasure in watching when I'm landing, all of it will be gone. All of it will be gone. I remember many years ago, I took my, my daughters to, told me that, my three daughters, they told me that I need to take them for, for a vacation. He said, Daddy, we always, we, we live here, we go to Haiti, and we just stay at the house. We never take a vacation. You need to take us for a vacation. So I, I came two weeks to the States with them before school starts, and we drove to New York City. I can remember driving to New York City, getting on the train, and then uh, go and visit downtown Manhattan. And uh, they just loved it. And, and I told them, if I had a choice, you know where I would live? If I had a choice, I would want to live downtown Manhattan. I just like that. And then we came back. Uh, that was in August. Then I went back to Haiti. And then later, uh, I was in Fort Lauderdale driving to see them in September. Uh, driving to see them in Palm Coast, Florida. As I was getting to West Palm Beach, we turn on the, I, I turn on the radio and I start hearing how a couple planes went to major building in New York City. And in a sudden, that building got cost so much, it was gone. Those buildings were gone. And I was, this was the, about a month, a month before, one month before, I took my daughters to visit those buildings. We went through some of those buildings, and then they're, not, they're gone. It, it doesn't matter what your investment are, they will be gone. Because they're temporary. I, I, sometimes I'm thinking about growing up, there are teachers I love, professors I love, and I used to look at them when I sit in class. Some of my professors at Dallas Seminary who have written many, many books, and I'm sitting in class with them, and, and I'm looking at them. They, like, you know what? Now they're all gone. Some of the athletes when I was young that I idolized, and you know, they're all gone. And, and it just, I bought a brand new truck many years ago. And after I bought that brand new truck, it's a nice Toyota Hilux. I, we bought it in Port-au-Prince. And I drove that truck to Capetian. And then after I drove that truck in Capetian, uh, I thought that I need to go to my village. 
to show my mom and dad that brand new truck. And you know, like uh, when you buy a brand new truck, you want to, they give it to you and all the seats have all those plastics and stuff like that. And for about a month or so, I didn't remove the, the plastics. Uh, I went to visit my dad, my mom and dad, and I left the plastics on. And I was, and there is something about a brand new car. There is a smell. When you go inside, it smells like brand new. And, and, and so when I get to Pion, I show, uh, my cousin was looking at the truck. And my, my dad came. I said, Dad, here's the brand new truck that we bought. I want you to look at it. Uh, and my dad said, this is so beautiful. I'm very thankful for you. Then he turned around and he said, you know what got me? In 15 years, this truck will be in the junkyard. You know, no matter how beautiful it was, no matter how nice it was, the end of it is the junkyard. Because it is a temporary beauty. And that's why the Apostle Paul is telling us not to conform to this world. Do not get trapped by the world. Satan wants you to believe that the world is eternal. When in 1 John 2 verse 17, the Bible says, the world is passing away. It's passing away. It's going to be gone. It, you know, so it's going to be done, gone really quick. It, you know, Daniel, in the book of Daniel, Daniel, I believe, chapter 1, verse 8, the Bible said that uh, 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 Daniel made a commitment that no matter how beautiful the meals of the king was, he wasn't going to eat it because this was made sacrifice to idols and so he, he wanted to make he wants to stand up and say that, hey, I don't, I don't care what you do. Throw me in the lion den, I don't care. But I will not eat it. Because I will not conform myself to you. And the story that I like the most is the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And the king said that, okay, if you don't worship me, if you don't conform yourself to what I say, I'm going to throw you in, in a big fire. I say, I don't care. The thing is, like, say, throw me in the fire, I don't care. The, the only thing I know, I will not conform to your system. They took those three guys and threw them in the fire. Because they refused to conform themselves to the system. They would not worship Nebuchadnezzar and accept that Nebuchadnezzar was God. And you know what happened? When the king came in from his palace and looked up to see all those three guys burning, 
And one thing I like is that he, doesn't, he didn't see three guys burning. He didn't see three guys in the fire. You know how many was, were in the fire? There were four people in the fire. And the fourth person was the angel of the Lord. I believe it was Jesus who came personally a case of Christophany and to come to rescue his children from danger. You know what? When you stand for God, God come and stand next to you. Jesus come and stand next to you. When you stand for Christ, when you stand up for Christ, and no matter where you go, Christ stand right next to you. Maybe, maybe you are saying that, where is Christ? I don't see him. Maybe you won't see him. If your spiritual eyes get open, you will see that there is somebody else next to you. I want the church to experience the power of God. And in order for us to experience the power of God, there has to be a revolution. We have to stand up and say that this world is not mine. This world is not te is temporary. And then I'm not going to conform myself to this world. If I'm a young person, I don't want to live like the other young people. If I, I'm a wife, I don't want to reason like the other wives. I don't want to reason like the other husband. I don't want to think like other people think. If I'm the businessman, I don't want to think like the other businessmen because I have a higher calling than everybody else. And I want to stand for Christ. When I stand for Christ and Christ stands right next to me, it doesn't matter where people want to ridicule me, where people, whatever happened, but I know that I am fighting for something eternal. I believe that Lens Free Church, today God is calling each one of you at the church here to stand up for his cause, to fight for something that is eternal. And then, you know what? you will see wonders. You will see great things that God will do through you and through your family. And then you're waiting to, under the leadership of Christ, to see what you value that is eternal. And then the one thing is that we know that one day you will stand up before Christ and he will say to you, good and faithful, because you fought for something that is worthy. For the name of God. For the church of Christ. For something that is just not the world that passed away. You didn't give all your life for something that passed away. Something that's going to go away. But you gave your life for a cause. And that cause that is eternal. Let's give ourselves to Christ. Let's fight for him. Not, let's not be trapped by this world. And let's offer ourselves uh, before God for something that is worth our calling. Lord, we thank you because you love us. Uh, we thank you because you have called us to something eternal. Today, in the name of Christ Jesus, 
we come before you. We know that you can help everybody here, Lord, to start thinking about divorcing with the world and stand up for your cause. You stood up for us, Christ, on the cross. Therefore, we can stand up for you in this world. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.